Minehead Baptist Church Sermon Podcast for Sunday the 15th of October 2023. Hello and welcome, thank you once again for joining me, my name's James and I'm the web guy here at NBC. This week Paul continued our series looking at 1 Thessalonians and he's looked at Take a Stand. The reading is 1 Thessalonians chapter 3 verses 1 to 13. So we'll go and join Paul as he's introducing the service. Good morning everyone. Good morning, lovely to see you. Um, lovely to see you on uh, a Sunday when we're not flooded out. Um, the ark was cancelled on that Sunday when we got flooded, if you remember, just to let the treasurer know they are going to charge us a fee. But the fee will come in terms of prayer. Is that all right? We, we are being, let's, let's actually use the memory of that as a prompt to pray for our town. There are some notices for the week, and they are just, as per your notice sheet, there are just two things to emphasise, one of which is not on, sorry, both of which are not on the notices. The first is a notice from me from Luke, and it is to say this. On the 29th of October at 4 o'clock, we'll have a light party at the hub. So if you've a child that might like to come along to that, please can you let uh, Mike, uh, sorry, let Luke know. But Luke wants to collect something. These. Okay, we're going to do a craft, or he's going to do a craft on that evening that involves empty milk containers. Now, so therefore, can I invite you to bring and give to Luke next week? Please don't leave them anywhere, otherwise we'll put them in the recycling potentially. Clean, thank you, Lorraine. Clean. Well, you can do two things. You can either bring a clean one, in which case we'll use the bottle. If you bring a full one, we'll put it in the fridge, use the milk and use the bottle. But either way around, we want to try and collect these. Now, I don't know, and I didn't take a message from Luke as to whether or not it's just this size... So, can I ask you to bring any size you have? And then we'll work it out from there. But Luke's going to do a simple craft on that evening and needs as many of these as he can. We think, okay, somewhere around about 30, 35 of them. So, so actually, if you drink lots of milk, you'll be... Hi, Luke. Is it just this size, my friend? Uh, yes, please. Yes, please. All right, sorry. Well, there we... This is a four-point one. Well... Okay... If you're metric, it's two. If if you're metric, it's two point two seven two liters. How cool is that to remember that? That's the first notice, and the second notice is, is going to be given by Lorraine. Hi, Lorraine. Long time no see. <coughs> what, what have you been up to this morning? Oh, quite a few. It's nice to meet you. Yeah, who are you? I've had a visitor often. Yes. Good, good to meet a visitor. A visitor. Yeah. Yes. Whoa, okay. Good morning, my church family. Good to see you this morning. It's that time of year again, okay? We've had harvest. You've had a week to get over harvest, or two weeks actually. And it's Christmas fair time at the hub. Oh, you are so enthralled. It's Christmas fair time at the hub. Yay! It's going to be Saturday, the 9th of December, 1 till 4. Um, so I'm wanting, I've put a box out there now, ready. So these are the things that, if you can, I would like. First of all, again this year, there are a lot of people in our community who are struggling, okay, financially. Um, so the Christmas fair at the hub is like really none other. We don't want to make a profit per se, We will put anything that's over into the hub, but we are doing this as an outreach for people. But that means that anything we do give and we do sell, we make sure is the highest quality. 
Yeah, we want to make sure that we bless the community. So if you were a part of it last year, you will know we had a blessing too because we were just having fun together, weren't we? Okay. And uh, Father Christmas turns up. Oh, yes. Okay. Oh, oh, oh. Morning, Les. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> sorry, 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 sorry. Sorry about this. You can't get the husbands. Okay, now then, we're going to have a nearly new stall, and that's so that people can come along, and if they can't afford to buy gifts for their family, they can buy a second-hand gift. These are sorts of gifts that you've had for Christmas in the past, birthdays in the past, that are beautiful, but they're just not you. Do you know those things? Men as well, we know, okay, and you've put them, tucked them away in a corner because you can't bring yourself to throw them away. Bring them to Auntie Lorraine, okay? Lorraine would like those, please. So any good quality, nearly new goods, especially popular last year were lotions, cosmetics, shower bath gels that you just didn't like that were unopened, um, whether they're in a box or single items. We had a lot of single items in a, ba in a basket like this, and they were very, very popular. Okay. So we also have bric-a-brac, so non-broken items would be very appreciated. Okay. Books as all. Well. We've got a craft stall, so any handmade items would be wonderful for that. We're going to have a bigger cake stall this year. So if you're into tray bakes and flapjacks and cupcakes and cut-up cakes, we'd love that as well. And toy stall. That is really important. Um, all you grandparents, all you parents, this is the time to start getting rid of those toys that you know the children no longer play with. Good quality toys that we can then price but not too dear, if you see what I'm saying, for the community. So any of those, there's a box out there. So from next Sunday, if you want to start bringing things, I will be emptying that weekly. Okay, so I'll make sure I keep it tidy. All Thank right, you. that's all right then. Thank you for listening. Thank you. So if you come to church next Sunday and you've got a bag of toys and a bag of these, God is good. And, and we'd love you to do that with us. You know, in my own prayer time this morning, it's a wonderful statement to make, isn't it? I was reading my, own, my Bible notes, and in the middle of them, right in the middle of them, in the middle of the trouble and anxiety, as we, uh, the, the, the writer of this piece was putting down on paper, he simply said, this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Wonderful words of positive affirmation. So, as I hand over to Steve, I say on behalf of the church... This is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Amen. We're going to start with a psalm. I'm going to read just a few verses from Psalm 40. I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire, and he set my feet Upon a rock, he gave me a firm place to stand, and he put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in him. Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, who does not look to the proud, to those who turn aside to false gods, Many 
Lord, my God, are your wonders you have done. The things you planned for us. None can compare with you. Were I to speak and tell of your deeds, they would be too many to declare. Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but my ears you have opened. Burnt offerings and sin offerings you did not require. Then I said, here I am. I have come. It is written about me in the scroll. I desire to do your will. My God, your law is within my heart. And I will proclaim your saving acts in the assembly. I will not seal my lips, Lord, as you know. I will, we will, proclaim God's acts now in the assembly as we meet together. Amen. Let's stand and sing. To God be the glory. Hallelujah. We're going to praise the Lord in prayer. I invite you to stand, to sit, to kneel, to rest, to lay, to be as you want to be this morning before the Lord. We're going to come before him in prayers of adoration and praise. And they're based on a reality for me this week. When I read together something, I'm going to change in order. This said the family that stays together prays together. And I want to argue the church that prays together stays together. So dear church family, young and old alike... I invite you to join me in prayers of of praise and adoration. Let's pray. Loving God, we praise you. Not only when the sun is shining, but when the rain seems endless. For just as the seed needs both sun and rain if it is to grow, so faith becomes stronger, life becomes more fruitful if we root them in the rich and solid earth of your love. We bring ourselves before you, Lord, to praise you, deliberately saying, no matter if the sun is shining on us, or we feel we're being drenched, we will worship, we will praise, we will adore. For this earth is full of your glory. Praise to your name. Through unspoken words of beauty and peace, you reveal your love to us. Through the hand of the stranger and a gift of grace, you reveal yourself to us. And so we declare this morning, this earth is full of your glory and creation cries out in praise to you. So praise for your provision through living water and food to eat. Praise to you, Lord, who reveals your word to us. And who through daily blessings and the breath of life is in relationship with us. Praise to you that this earth is full of your glory and praises your holy name. And praise to you Lord that we have a Father God that doesn't just listen to prayer and ignore. But listens to prayer and answers. Praise to you the one who is our, 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 our all in all and the end of all. The Alpha, the Omega. Praise to you, our mighty God. And we thank you, Lord, for the opportunity of worship. 
for the freedom to be amongst your family, for our meeting together here. Lord, we're an odd bunch. We're all shapes and sizes, all types of character. Some of us this morning are up and some of us are down and many of us are in between. And yet deliberately, Lord, we come together this morning to give you our praise and adoration and say we will worship. Thank you that in worship we can put aside the uncertainty of the world and rest upon the certainty of the kingdom. Thank you that your promises are not changeable, but immovable and eternal. Thank you that we can bring to you, bring you to, thank you that we can bring you to our feet, to your feet, all the hurts and the fears that trouble us and leave them there. Thank you that we can know your strength and assurance. And thank you, Lord, that we can declare with certainty that that strength and assurance is all we require today. Thank you, Lord. That as we draw near to you in worship, we're transported from a world of, world of concern and fear to a place where we can be at peace and in your presence. Find healing, wholeness and refreshment. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity of worship this morning. And so, in our prayers this morning, we declare with all creation... Alpha and Omega, beginning and end of all things. Creator, sustainer, provider, in your name we gather and at your feet we bow. Thank you, Lord, that we can declare you are our shield and our defender, a tower of refuge for the weary, deliverer, Redeemer, forgiver. And so, Lord, we started this prayer time by a, a declaration that the, the family, the church that, stay, that prays together, stays together. Lord, we will carry on praying because we acknowledge and recognize that it's the enemy that wants to tear us apart. He will have no space here because our Lord is victorious. Our Lord is strong and our Lord has already won the battle. And so we come, a people confident of your love, standing in your presence, overwhelmed by your awesomeness. And we simply say in prayer, in your name we worship, at your feet we bow. In Jesus' name. You are the Alpha and the Omega the beginning and end of all things, creator, sustainer, provider, tower of refuge for the weary, deliverer, redeemer, forgiver. In your name we worship and at your feet we bow. In Jesus' name, amen. Friends, can I invite you to take a seat for me? Um, in react, this morning, we're going to look in, in church. I know the youngsters are going to go and do their own things. But in, in church, we're going to look at taking a stand. How in the midst of troubles and problems and suffering and strife and persecution do we take a stand? And we wanted to do something, I and Steve, as together as church family. Because 
I'm going to invite Steve to come up. But it was exactly to the day, a year ago, that we uh, asked that as a church family, we stood here and we prayed for Steve as he started to go through some rather nasty treatment. Uh, Steve wants to let you know, young and old alike, how good the Lord has been. And so I want to say to you, whether you're young or you're old, whether your trouble is at school or your trouble is that you can't even move out of your home much anymore because of old age, God is good. And so we're going to hear a piece of testimony for a couple of minutes, just witnesses to that fact. Now, Steve, it was a year ago today. You did tell me the date. It's exactly the day, correct? It's the day this church stopped before the service began and prayed because... Five days earlier, it's been confirmed I've got lung cancer. Okay, so come near to the mic, my friend, because otherwise we won't hear you, or more particularly, we won't hear you online. What's God been up to in this past year that we can all join with you and celebrate and say amen? Well, I want to, Brian, just to pick up a picture. Um, this last week, Anne and I were at my sister's house in the Lake District. That is Ingleborough. And the next picture is me on top of Ingleborough. That was a 12 mile, 12 and a half mile walk that I did in five miles, in five hours. And I can't really believe it because every time the consultants ring up, they ring up every couple of months or so and say, are you all right? How are you? And I say, you know what? I'm, I'm fine. And it was uh, a, few, a few weeks ago, uh, I was having one of my immunotherapy treatments and I sat next to a, a lady who was having ex- exactly the same chemotherapy treatments I had last Christmas. So remember uh, last Christmas, uh, three weeks either side Christmas, I had chemotherapy and radiotherapy at the same time, a very aggressive treatment. And the two drugs, the two chemotherapy drugs they gave me, this lady was having, she was in the same same chair next to me, and she couldn't eat, she couldn't sleep. She was so ill. And that's what some of these drugs do to you. Praise the Lord and thank you for your prayers that, you know, I I went through chemo and radio with hardly any side effects at all. In fact, the first side effect I had was actually on Christmas Day when I came into church and I couldn't smell the Christmas dinner. It affected my... Which, which, let's be honest, I think at the time you said because I was cooking it was probably... (laughs) (laughs) And apart from radiation burn on my back uh, and some... I couldn't swallow for a while very easily... Other than that, it's been absolutely amazing, and, and God's been good. Uh, yes, my, my right lung, part of it's now missing, so my, my diaphragm's like that angle when you look at the x-rays. So the, that part of the lung is now completely gone by the radiotherapy. But you know what? I, I can still climb a mountain. Amen. Yeah. We, we wanted to share that with you, to say whether you're young or you're old, whatever your trouble this morning... Steve's testimony is one that says, bring it before the Lord. Our Lord is good. Our Lord is great. Our Lord builds up. Our Lord will be with you. And so whatever it is this morning, we want to just say that to you very simply, young or old alike. And later in our service, if if you're in the service, you're going to get a chance to respond and bring yourself and the reality of your day, your life to the Lord. But when Steve said said we, we were talking about this, I said to Steve, I think the song he'd chosen, which I know we flipped it around order a bit, but the song he'd chosen was really pertinent to us as church. 
You all know the song, Come Set Your Rule and Reign, with that amazing line, we are the church. Okay? But the truth of the matter is, we are the church. And look at what God does, dear church, when you pray together. So whether you're that high or that high, we want to kind of encourage you. If you've never lifted your hands in church before, or you're one of those people, and I was like this for years, who went, oh no. Right? Or you are someone that's a real problem and an issue with this. Okay? I want to ask you to do something for me. Because this is how I first raised my hands in church. I thought, I'll never do this, Lord. And the Lord said to me, shut your eyes. Okay? So that's what I did. And I shut my eyes in this tiny Methodist chapel. And all of a sudden, I just found my hands lifted in praise. Because as I shut my eyes, I realized something. It was just me and the Lord together. And the rest of the world didn't matter. So if that's you, I want to encourage you this morning to just simply shut your eyes and worship. And now you know exactly the route for me, because before that moment, it was a real problem and a real issue. And if you just want to sit there and be this morning, that's okay too. Because we are his church. Let's worship together. While we do sing this, we're also going to take our morning offering. This is just part of our worship and acknowledging the fact that we are one church. If you're visiting with us or uh, new to us, let the uh, the bags just pass you by. This is just our opportunity for those who are really part of this family to worship the Lord in giving of our uh, monetary uh, gifts back to him. Set your rule and reign Father God, we do pray that. We pray that as we stand and we declare we are church and you are our Lord, that we will declare that this is the day that the Lord has made, that we will acknowledge that churches that stay, pray together stay together. We pray that you would change the atmosphere and that, Lord, you would use our young people to do it. That they would teach us just as much as we teach them. And I pray today that there will be divine exchange as they meet together and learn of you. And that Lord, amidst the fun, there would just be that sense of awe at meeting their amazing Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So if you're young, you're that old or that old, please feel free to go to your own part of the service. I don't know what you're doing, but I do know it's fun. And as I said earlier on to Amy, if you're in the same group that Lorraine's helping with this morning and she gets out of control, would you let me know later? That'd be brilliant. If you're wondering online what's going on, half the church is disappearing. That's kind of literally true. Yeah, whoosh, exactly, like they've all gone. But aren't we blessed, dear church, that half the church goes? Think of the blessing that that is. We declared we are the church. So, dear adults, if I could call us adults, never, yeah, Debbie, I'm not sure, never, never stop praying for those young people, ever. Not only is it very scriptural, it's also very much needed.
Steve, I think we're going to have some prayers Just of intercession. Prayer. Ian's, going to, Ian's going to come and lead us with some prayers of intercession. Good morning. We've all been shocked by the news of the terrible conflict in the Middle East. Let's join together now in this prayer that was provided to us by the Evangelical Alliance. And that's going to be used by thousands of Christians in churches around the UK today. God, rich in mercy and love, we pray for the people of Israel and Gaza, for the innocents, broken, scared, frightened, confused. O God, who weeps with the weeping, have mercy. We think of those who have lost their lives and those who grieve. O God, who meets us in the darkness of the valley, meet with the bereaved. For families shattered and children distraught, O God, have mercy. To the injured, bring healing. To the bereaved, bring comfort. To the frightened, bring love. To the weary, bring hope. O God of grace, we pray for an end to the bloodshed. May peace come quickly. And we pray that peacemakers may find a voice and be heard and offer a way forward. Father, have mercy. Lord Christ, have mercy. Holy Spirit, bring hope. Amen. World Homeless Day is marked every year on the 10th of October to draw attention to the needs of people experiencing homelessness. 10th of October is also World Mental Health Day. This shared date means we are prompted to consider how these two issues are related. Poor mental health can be both a cause and a result of homelessness. Without a safe, decent, and genuinely affordable home, anyone's health can suffer. But poor mental health can also be one of the pressures that builds up and pushes us into homelessness in the first place. The housing and homelessness crisis is also a mental health crisis. We often picture a homeless person as a rough sleeper. Rough sleeping, however, is only one manifestation of homelessness and not the most frequent one. Homelessness includes living in the streets, in open spaces, or in cars, living in temporary emergency accommodation, 
in shelters, in makeshift camps, or on someone's sofa. Homelessness is not always a visible problem. People who might be described as hidden homeless are often slipping through the cracks. Crisis, one of the national charities, has estimated that as many as 62% of single homeless people do not show up on official figures. Forgive us, Lord, that we take so easily take for granted the security of our own home and take that for granted. Just imagine what your life would be like without a place to call home. So now let's pray together for those facing homelessness for whatever reason, that they would have the courage to ask for help and that they will be heard. We pray for government, local and central government, that they will give a more compassionate response and make adequate resources available to make a real difference. We pray for Christians working in council services, in the NHS, in housing benefit offices, that their faith may shine out in the way that they care for those in housing need. We pray for Christian ministries, such as Green Pastures and Housing Justice, working to provide homes and enable homeless people to find a new life. And we pray for the Hope Centre based at this church as they support members of the Minehead community who are homeless, have problems associated with drugs or alcohol, or are lonely or vulnerable in any way. We found, find that one thing can easily become another. We pray, Lord, that... Uh, we may give right responses in all that we do. And at the moment, uh, Hope Centre asks for prayers, particularly for trustees and staff. Um, as Hope Centre um, seek to find a new project worker and also seek to find more volunteers to help at the drop-ins. We've had a marked increase in the number of people coming to drop-ins over the last few months and the complexity of the needs is quite challenging so Lord we just ask please be with all those connected with Hope Centre and help us to show us what we can do to help support yes, Lord. Amen oh, and finally we pray for our Baptist Missionary Society Link Missionaries in Nepal. Toby, Pepper, Vocal, and their children, Jakey, Ella, and Millie. You might remember they visited in, us in July. Tony is still involved in designing earthquake-resilient buildings in Nepal and working on a PhD project focusing on best practice 
in uh, post-earthquake re reconstruction. Thank you for the skills and understanding you have given engineers such as Toby. We pray that he will be able to progress his research project and that the roundtable discussions he's expected to have in Kathmandu will be really positive and will lead to real improvements in the lives of ordinary people in Nepal. Thank you that their children have settled back into the excellent school in Kathmandu. They're really enjoying education there. Their lives are being moulded through their experience as part of a family living together as missionaries. The Vocal family asks that God will use all five of them to shine his light in Nepal and that they will make, uh, that will make the most of every opportunity, whether in formal work for the International Nepal Fellowship or in relationship building in the community. Merciful Father, thank you for hearing these prayers that we make through your Son, our Saviour, Jesus Christ. Amen. This is a great song that summarises these prayers of Ian's letters in. Beautiful brokenness, hope for despair. It's the time of the word, and Anna is going to come and read the scripture to us, and then Paul is going to come and share his thoughts from this passage, God's word to us. Reading from 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, from verse 17 to the end of chapter 3. But brothers, when we were torn away from you for a short time, in person, not in thought, out of our sense of longing, sense longing, we made every effort to see you. For we wanted to come to you. Certainly I, Paul, did again and again. But Satan stopped us. For what is our hope, our joy, or the crown in which we will glory in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ when he comes? Is it not you? Indeed, you are our glory and joy. So when we could stand it no longer, we thought it best to be left by ourselves in Athens. We sent Timothy, who was our brother and God's fellow worker, in spreading the gospel of Christ to strengthen and encourage you in your faith so that no one will be unsettled by these trials. You know quite well that we were destined for them. In fact, when we were with you, we kept telling you that we were, would be persecuted and it turned out that way, as you well know. For this reason, when I could stand it no longer, I sent to find out about your faith. I was afraid that in some way the tempter might have tempted you and our efforts might have been useless. But Timothy has just now come to us from you and has brought you good news 
has brought good news about your faith and love. He has told us that you have always had pleasant memories of us and that you long to see us, just as we also long to see you. Therefore, brothers, in all our distress and persecution, we were encouraged about you because of your faith. For we now, we really live since you are standing firm in the Lord. How can we thank God enough for you in return for all the joy we have in your, the presence of our God because of you? Night and day we pray most earnestly that we may see you again and supply what is lacking in your faith. Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus clear the way for us to come to you. May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else, just as ours does for you. May he strengthen your hearts so that you will be blameless and holy in the presence of our God and Father when our Lord Jesus comes with all his holy ones. Thank you, Anne. To take a stand. Lorraine had worked hard since we got married, and the home was good. It, it was our home. It was small. That was true. But she'd worked hard at making it our place. And you know what I mean. Every bit of furniture seemed to be in the right place, and all things were at the right height. And it was just beautiful. We had a, we had a son, Chris. I don't remember how old Chris was, but I do remember that we taught this little boy, using her hands, and more particularly our fingers, how to stand. That was okay, until our son worked out something. He's quite brainy, our son. And he worked out how to pull himself up on something. You know this moment, parents, don't you? But he also worked out that if he wasn't very good on his feet, couldn't work, walk very far but he could roll fast. And so he would roll, grab himself up, and you know that moment, dear parent, when you have to take everything from the ground floor and move it up a shelf or two. It's true, though, isn't it, that that's exactly how we teach our children. We teach them to stand before we teach them to walk. We say we want to walk in the Lord, but first of all, we need to learn how to stand. And that's why Paul writes this passage in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. We said last time that Paul was this spiritual parent, this community of believers in Thessalonica. And that's in now what is modern day Greece. And we learn that Paul had been kind of pushed out of Thessalonica, so he wasn't able to be there. So how then do you help this group of young Christians learn to stand? against the trials of life. At this point in time, friends, they're experiencing persecution by the religious authorities. And those that had declared themselves for Jesus were ostracized by their own family members. No sooner had they entrusted themselves to Jesus Christ than the bottom of their world seemed to fall out. They sought some solace in their suffering by turning to the saviour. But because they're so young in the faith, these trials were causing some to doubt and become discouraged. And Paul knows that this young Christian community needs some encouragement and a lot of intercession. That's just like my son. 
So the truth is, when you get hold of a young child and you lift them up for that very first time, they don't suddenly go, oh, got it. You have to repeat that, don't you? Again and again and again. Until eventually they can stand on their own literally two feet. Paul understands that. And so his question that he's answering as he writes this passage, and his question to you is, what do you do? When your world seems to cave in. How does a Christian respond when those hard times come? Let's be blunt. Every single one of us in this room will face those questions sooner or later. In different ways, it's true. But we all face those questions. It may not be like Paul from behind prison bars, but we will all go through deep trials eventually. When it happens... Everything we believe will be put on the line. Isn't that Steve's moment from a year ago? Everything's on the line. This is the moment you choose. And in 1 Thessalonians 3, Paul wrote to some new believers who suddenly and unexpectedly found themselves in great difficulty. They're being persecuted for their faith in Jesus. And our text shows how Paul reassures them and encourages them to stand firm. In the trial. Now today we're going to be referring to that text constantly. So if you have the Bible with you, it would be really good if you have that open on that text. And hopefully you'll be able to see what Paul is up to in this scripture. So how do we take a stand and stand strong when difficulties come? Firstly, by acknowledging that trials when they happen are unsettling. Verses 1 to the beginning of verse 3. So when we could stand it no longer, we thought it best to be left by ourselves in Athens. We sent Timothy, who is our brother and God's fellow worker in spreading the gospel of Christ, to strengthen and encourage you in your faith, so that no one would be unsettled by these trials. Now we learnt last time we looked at this scripture in 1 Thessalonians 2, and Anne read this for us, if you remember the beginning of the reading, that Paul had desperately wanted to go back. He wanted to visit this young church, but Satan had blocked him. He felt separated from his fellow believers, unable to be with them. And so Paul does the next best best thing. You can see it there. He sent Timothy to strengthen and encourage them. Now, I'm no great Greek scholar, but I do know a little Greek, that's true, and I know a good Greek commentary, praise the Lord. And the reality is that the word unsettled in this context has a really interesting meaning. Because what it actually means is to wag the tail. And you think, what does that mean? You see, you're sitting there going, what on earth is he going on about? But to someone in Thessalonica, this would have made great sense in the first century. Unsettled to wag the tail, to flip and flop. Can you hear the, can you sort of see the wagging tail effect? I hope you can, and my my mime is that good. But the reality is, that's the word, unsettled. Like, you're flipping, you're flopping all over the place, you're unsettled. It has the idea of being so, un, so shaken by circumstances that you don't know which way to turn. And when you ally that with the word trial in this passage, 
which in the Greek has, it means under the thumb of pressure. Paul is writing to this group and he's saying, you're under the thumb of pressure and and you're flipping and get the drift. That's the context of this verse. And he writes it, he wants to encourage you and I so that we don't feel under the thumb of pressure, so that we don't flip and flop, if I can use that phrase. But it's also true to say, isn't it, that many of us know from experience what that feels like. I would suggest that some of you, as we speak, are going through some unrelenting pressure right now. Whether it's to do with health or finance or relationship or whatever it is that keeps you awake at night and helps really make you feel wiped out during the day. If that's you, can I ask you to remember this? Your particular trial doesn't matter as much as how you respond to it. Often we focus intently on the details of our difficulties as if our problem was the most important thing in the world. Pastors, everyone does that. But it may seem so at the time, but in God's perspective it's not really. God is much more concerned with how we respond than with the trial itself. And he is with you in that response. Someone said this, and I could not for the life of me find out who, but I love the phrase. God will take care of what you go through. You take care of how you go through it. It's a lovely phrase, isn't it? God will take care of what you go through. You take care of how you go through it. If you're unsettled this morning, then you're not alone. You don't have to stay that way. And it's helpful to remember the next truth. Because some people think that troubles are always caused by sin or lack of faith. But trials may be part of God's plans for believers. Scripture tells us that. James 1, uh, 2-4 reminds us that we experiencing problems and persecution can build character. Or Romans 3, 5, 3-5 reminds us can build perseverance. Or 2 Corinthians 1, 3-7 to that can build sensitivity towards others who also face trouble. Problems are unavoidable, friends, for God's people. That's true. But let's acknowledge sometimes that troubles may be a sign that we're effective, of effective Christian living. Next, the scripture reminds us, verse 4, we should expect difficulty. Verse 4, in fact, when when we were with you, we kept telling you that we would be persecuted, and it turned out that way, as you well know. Now, some people regard the fact that we will face persecution as a bit of a uh, negative, but to me, in many ways, it's quite positive. It's better to be stretched than to think life is always a bed of roses. I'm going to do a quick survey. Does anyone here think that their life in its entirety has been a bed of roses? No. And if that's true, then in reality we've all faced troubles and problems, haven't we? It's kind of unavoidable, isn't it? Trials are common for every Christian and no one's exempt. No one gets a trouble-free ride to heaven. Jesus puts it succinctly you might expect him to do so Matthew 24 verse 9 says this then you'll be handed over to be persecuted and put to death and you'll be hated by all nations because of me that would not look good on a marketing board become a Christian 
be persecuted, be handed over to death, and be hated by everyone. Welcome to Minehead Baptist Church. It wouldn't be a great advertising line, would it? But it's the truth, isn't it? The challenge is sometimes we make Christianity cheap. And it's not. It costs. Jesus said it would. But the cool thing, okay, if you think that's bad, what about Peter? 1 Peter 4.12, dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. Friends, the truth is, being a Christian is not an easy option. It's not a cheap option. It's just the right one. And suffering can be a mark of discipleship, something that's guaranteed for the follower of Christ. The Christian life is not a quick fix, in case you hadn't worked it out, and I'm sure you all have. And Christians are sometimes confused when they think that everything should go perfectly, that there should be no more difficulties. Many years ago, I was invited to come and pray with someone because the world had fallen in. When I asked why the world had fallen in on their life, this is going back to Sussex, why the world had fallen in on their life, they said it was because they had been praying and praying and praying for a brand new BMW. (laughs) And guess what? Their prayers had not been answered. And I was staggered as this was in Brighton. I was staggered. I was asked to meet them at their house. So this was 1990. I was working in Brighton at the time, and at the time, their house would have been worth about £700,000. I invite you to think how much the house is worth today. Staggered, because in reality, we, they had reduced Christianity to no more than a sweetie store. Friends, I'm here to tell you the truth. I owe it to you. It's tough being a Christian. And if we go down the route of saying, if you pray hard enough, you'll get, then some believers may even wonder if they're at fault. And it may be that they just had more faith, the hard times would pass. I want to tell you, if that's you, you're not at fault. I want to reassure you. Because they just come because they are. When you put your faith in Christ, according to Paul, you'll experience pressure and persecution. Paul told the Thessalonians ahead of time that problems would come. I want to honour you in the same way this morning and tell you the same. But if you look at that, in fact, when we were with you, we kept telling you. The word kept is really important. It's a continuous Greek verb. And it means we kept on telling you. You could translate that in a slightly different way by sort of saying the warning was often on our lips. In other words, we didn't tell you once and when you didn't get it, we walked away. But we kept telling. He wanted them to be prepared. Acts 14.22 puts it succinctly. We must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God, it says. If you want to break down the walls of Minehead Baptist Church, it's going to get tougher. I love, as an old South American saying, and I have no idea who said this, I'm just told it's traditional, and if I'm being honest, I couldn't, for the love of me, on Google, other search engines are available, 
tell you who said it. But this is an amazing phrase. It says, to live without suffering is to die without glory. That's awesome. To live without suffering is to die without glory. And when you think about it logically, Jesus died in glory, didn't he? How? Because he endured the suffering. And then tough times can tempt us to give up, can't they? Let's be honest, when things get tough, what do you do? I often go, I've had enough. Now, Lorraine is great for me because she says, literally, those of you that know Lorraine, including hi, the guys from Upton, will know this to be true. Lorraine goes, stop being a girl. Stop it. Actually, it's true, though. She's right. It's true, though. Because I can be tempted in tough times to give up. And scripture says this, For this reason, when I could stand it no longer, I sent out to find out about your faith. I was afraid that in some way the tempter may have tempted you and our efforts may have been useless. One of the main things that Satan does, my friends, when you're going through trials, is to tempt you to bail on God and to tempt you to bail on his church. It's a tactic. And he does it in a multitude of ways. I just want to share really briefly three quick ones. First thing he tries to do is to get us to doubt God's goodness. The tempter whispers in your ear, that God has forgotten you. He doesn't care for you. He isn't really that good. Heard the whisper before? And then, the next thing he does, if he can't get his way that way, is to do this. He gets us to retaliate one with another in anger and resentment. And frankly, it's one of his favourite tactics. Because it can not only be about the church, but about your family and friends. And then, on top of all of that, he tempts you to give in to despair and discouragement. Maybe you're sick and you feel as if you'll never get better. Perhaps this morning you feel rejected and alone. Maybe you've lost your job and you don't feel you're qualified to do anything. Whatever the reality of this morning is, that's what the enemy's trying to do. And Paul was so worried he sent Timothy. Now let's admit something together, shall we? Let's submit what happens when we get in that situation. That under pressure, we can begin to develop bad habits and develop wrong attitudes. That we can even do that stuff. We can shout and scream at each other. Take things out on each other. And the slippery slope is in front of us. But you don't have to let those problems prevail. Because, according to Paul, verse 6, But Timothy has just now come to us from you and has brought good news about your faith and love. He's told us that he always had pleasant memories of us and that, as long, and that rather you long to see us just as we long to see you. Do you see in the middle of that is the word good news? This is the only time in scripture Paul uses the phrase good news to talk about anything other than the good news of the gospel. It's the only time. And the message about how they were going along spiritually was so pleasing to him. So pleasing that it was like listening to the gospel all over again. That's what Paul is inferring. Paul sends out Timothy, finds out about their faith and love. 
And he finds out that they love the Lord with everything that they have. They love the neighbours as themselves. And he finds out that they're carrying out this. Galatians 5, 6 in reality. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself in love. Amidst all the trials and the problems, that's how they're behaving. What about us? When we're under pressure, do we stand and behave like that? Or do we throw our toys out of the prayer? And moan and kick and scream. And in verse 7, Paul plainly says that we can overcome our trials by faith. So what sort of faith does he have in mind? Well, faith in God's character, that he's good he makes no mistakes faith in God's word that it's true no matter what's happening to us faith in God's purpose that he's conforming us daily to the image of Jesus Christ faith in God's promise that he'll never give us more than we can bear faith in God's presence that he's with us in the darkest moments and faith faith in God's power that he delivers us from every kind of temptation oh and there's one other kind of faith Okay, that genuinely helps us in hard times when we share our faith with God's people. That helps. And so many struggle because they handle their problems alone. I did some prayers on this recently and thank you for the encouragement that many of you gave me afterwards. How are you? No, I mean it. Answer me. How are you? No, no, I mean it. How are you? I'm okay, I'm fine, thank you. No, you're not. Some of you may be. But that's our stock answer, isn't it? I'm okay. I'm fine. Frankly, the moment we take the restraints off of that and we start to share honestly with each other, we are the church. Because I need you, you need me, to walk through this stuff together. And God never meant you to walk through the valley of loneliness, that valley of despair and fear and strife and struggle alone. Hebrews 10.24 says this, Let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. So the truth is, when I share with you my brokenness, and trust me, there's loads to share, I'm encouraging you into my world, encouraging you to raise me up, and I pray we may journey together. In fact, that encouragement is reflected in the next verses. Therefore, brothers, in all our distress and persecution, we were encouraged about you because of your faith. For now we really live, since you were standing firm in the Lord. Here's the final truth. Someone's watching you right now. Even though you probably don't realise it, others scrutinise how you go through your trial and and they're drawing conclusions about your faith. It was Tozer, A.W. Tozer, that said this lovely phrase. Seldom does God use a person greatly who has not been hurt deeply. You, you are, I promise you, all, all I have, you can be a source of deep strength. And deep encouragement to somebody else, if through your trials, you stick with the Lord. You show your faith and love, and we learn how to minister one to another. And I want you to minister them to them by standing firm, about standing firm in hard times. By their standing firm, this group in Thessalonica ministered to Paul. 
That's the crazy thing. In verse 9 he says he thanks God for all the joy that the Thessalonians gave to him. The one that wanted to set them up so they could stand strong was himself ministered because the church was standing strong. How do we take all of this stuff and stand strong when difficulties come? Go back to verse 6. But Timothy has just now come to us, Paul says, and has brought good news about your faith and your love. We stand firm in faith and love. If we're full of God's love, then no matter what the circumstance, it will overflow to others. Do we all agree with that? Is that truism? We think that's about right. But if that's true, we must actively and persistently show love to each other. Even to those who think they're not worthy. Even to those who've hurt us. Even to those we would rather not show love to. Even to those who reject the love we show to them. Scripture tells us to keep loving. It's a high calling, isn't it? But it does more than that scripture. It says you don't have the option not to love. How would you take a stand in my head despite all the the trials that have come your way? How would you take a stand and in faith stand up and love? You let love grow. And as love grows, you just simply stand for the Lord. If your capacity to love has not kind of grown or remained static for some time, you need to ask God to fill you again with his never-ending supply. And we're going to end with a time of worship. That worship is there deliberately to give you time to ask the Lord to fill you again with his love. And if you do that, then I'm going to ask you to do something else for me. Look out for opportunities to express that love. As you express his love, you will be taking a stand. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for the reality that you are here and with us. This morning, Lord, in those parts of my life where I need to simply bring them before you, I simply come. I bring the mustard seed of faith that I have and I lay it at your feet. And I bring the mere small morsel of love and I give it to you. And I say, Lord, increase my faith and fan the flames of my love for you and your love for your people. We worship you, almighty God, for there is none like you. Amen. Thinking the light of what uh, Paul has just shared with us. A song, one of the songs I've chosen uh, is um, When All I See Is The Battle, Battle Belongs. You see my victory. When all I see is the mountain, you see a mountain moved. As I walk through the shadow, your love surrounds me. There's nothing to fear now. For I am safe with you.
the wrong words, I'm sorry. It starts when, I, when all I see is the battle. Sorry. Okay, you haven't got these words on. Sorry, I thought we, we have sung it before. Um, it's not on the system. Right, okay. Sorry, I can't expect you to sing a song. You haven't got the words for Do apologize. Okay, doesn't matter. Okay, we're going to sing Father, um, okay, Father of Creation. Unfold your sovereign plan. Um, I should have checked. Do apologize, Brian. when I told you there was a moment I put my hands in the air I shut my eyes and the Lord just said it's me and you what I didn't tell you is that was not one of those highs of my life that was in a moment of low that was in a moment where I was wondering what's going on Lord in the midst of being unsure uncertain how do I stand do I even want to stand in honesty that was when the Lord said take a moment with me I invite you to take a moment with him as you do so to worship him as you would worship your Lord listening just to the music giving him praise if you want to say a prayer to the Lord can I invite you to make it between you and the Lord this is not about leading the church in prayer this is about you and your Lord person next to you is speaking in a language you don't understand it's because the heart is overflowing in tongues in personal worship to the Lord that's okay don't worry but I invite you just to concentrate on your Lord and if you can't do that just to concentrate on my voice we're not trying to make any more room here than is needed here than you and your Lord May you and he be glorified this morning as you bless him. And what happens to you, may it be a reflection of his glory. For we declare, you alone are holy, Lord. You are a creator God, a defender our sustainer our alpha and omega our beginning and our end you are our all in all our awesome God you are the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings you are the one that reaches into these moments and brings stillness to our life you are the one that can calm the waters of chaos You are the one that goes through trials with us. You are the one 
that stands with us as we're being persecuted. You are the one whose love is awesome and you know bounds. So that you may be in love with us this morning and we may be in love with you. However the Lord is with you this morning, however it is with you this morning, I invite you where you are to respond. This morning, as we were worshipping the Lord, he gave me an image. And the image was of you, and you're saying, where is the Lord? And I saw you, and I saw standing next to you was the Lord, and he was simply saying to you, here I am. Someone this morning feels that they're a million miles away from the Lord, but the truth is, he is right next to you. And he wants you to know that this morning. To affirm you, to encourage you, to let you know you're his child and to say, I understand what you're going through. We stand together. Father God, I pray that the person who that's for would simply take that as an encouragement this morning, a blessing that you're with them. And that that blessing, Lord, oh, it would speak into their hearts transform the reality help them in their journey uphold them in their faith and help them to stand with you in Jesus name I pray Amen Friends we're going to have one last worship song before I know we've gone over a little bit in time, blame me entirely um, or come and bless me later But the reality is that we just want to end on a song of worship. So I know you've got a few to choose from, Steve, and I don't know which ones you've got there. So I'm going to leave it down to you. I hope that's okay. This is Rejoice, isn't it? It is.
in the midst of the book of Thessalonians, this letter, Paul is so determined to say, take a stand and acknowledge God is with you, that he writes a blessing. And we're going to use the blessing of the words of Paul right in the middle of 1 Thessalonians to bless each other today. This is what Paul writes, and I pray it as a blessing to you. Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus Christ clear the way for us to come to you. And may the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else, just as ours does for you. May he strengthen your hearts so that you will be blameless and holy in the presence of God, uh, of our God and Father. When our Lord Jesus comes with all his holy ones. May the Lord bless you and keep you today. May he make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he lift up the light of his countenance and may he give you peace. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. To leave a comment, please go to minehead-baptist.com slash sermons. Well, thank you once again for listening, and I'll speak to you soon.